1: What does a prosperous church actually look like? We've got a snapshot for you coming up next. prosperous church. Ask 10 different people what a prosperous church looks like. You'll probably get 10 different answers. A lot of them along the lines of a a Starbucks in the foyer, over 2,000 people attending, a really wonderful campus with a great gym. Well, Scripture has a different idea in mind, and that's what we'll do today. Take a look at Scripture and see what Scripture has to say about a prosperous church. We begin in Acts chapter 9. From the well, a Christian community in Livermore, California, let's catch up with Pastor Napoleon Kaufman and today's broadcast of Times of Refreshing.
2: I want to kind of revisit something that I think will be a blessing for all of us. And uh, the title of my message is The the Prosperous Church, The Prosperous Church. In Acts chapter 9, when you read this chapter, it is really stunning to to see the handiwork of God. I mean I don't care what kind of sin you have got yourself in. Or what kind of condition you have you know of God in. Uh, God is in the business of saving people. Cleaning people up. Restoring people. And seeing people get become whole. And become everything that he's purposed for them to become. In the beginning of the Acts chapter 9. We see Saul's whose later name. Became Paul, we see his conversion. We see him taking, uh, we see God taking a man who was 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 violent, was uh, angry in some ways, and had a total disregard for other faiths, religions, belief systems systems, and he was willing to fight to the death, really. To protect what he thought was true. Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. Knocked him off this beast. Converted him. Convinced him that his way was wrong. And he needed to go in a different direction. Saul chose to go in God's direction. He gets converted. But we have to see that during this time there was great persecution towards the church. And Saul was a part of that. God came in and changed his life. And if God can change Apostle Paul's life, he can change anyone's life. Amen? He can change anyone's life. He converts him, sees him get restored. Then uh, Saul seeks to join the church. But many were scared because they had known of the old Saul. and, And so they didn't want to readily welcome him in. And we picked this story up. In verse 26, it says here, And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid. They were afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him. And how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus. And disputed against the Hellenists, the Greek-speaking Jews. But they attempted to kill him. And we have to see this. When you're talking about this kind of person persecution, you're talking about serious persecution. I mean, they're talking about killing him, not just talking bad about him. Well, somebody lied on me, Pastor. Well, get get used to it. They persecute and they lied on me. Well, of course. That's what human beings do. But, but But this here, it says clearly that they wanted to kill him because of his message, because of his conversion, because he's speaking things that are contrary to what they desire to hear. So now they seek to kill him. It says, when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. And so they get him out of the situation because it's really toxic for him. They understand who who he is now and who he was. And so persecution, not only for him, but for the church was on the rise. But look at the next verse. This is the beautiful thing about it. It says, then the churches throughout all judea galilee and samaria had peace and were edified and walking in the fear of the lord and in the comfort of the holy spirit it says they were multiplied and so this is really what i want to address again i've talked about this before in the church i want to address it again because it's important that we realize that there's going to be times of persecution there's going to be times when people are at odds with the, with the church. There's going to be pressures against the church. But, but also realize that God takes us in the seasons and moments where he brings us into a, you know, a, a real position of prosperity. Stop thinking that a church is solely prosperous because they have a bunch of stuff. That's not always the sign of true prosperity when it comes to walking with God. And when it comes to, when it comes to being a, a strong local church, it's not how much stuff we have. Although, praise God for the stuff. I don't know about you, but I don't mind having a little bit more stuff. If God wants to bless me, I'm not going to argue with him. I'm not taking a poverty vow. I don't mind God blessing me with more stuff. Praise God. But the perspective has to be right. Just because you have stuff doesn't mean that, that, there's, that you're prospering. And just because you have persecution doesn't mean that you're not prospering. And so in this situation, we see very clearly that there was persecution. There was persecution personally against Paul. Paul. But it says in verse 31, then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had, number one, they had peace. Write that down. This is the thing that we want within the church, and it is a sign. You may have external things going on, but the issue here is, even in the midst of external issues, things going on, um, do you have peace? This is what we want. We want to have, we want to live a life of, of, especially when it comes to internally, we want to have tranquility. And all of us here, we have to fight for this. We have to believe God for this. We have to trust that God's going to send us in. There's going to be battles. But even in the midst of it, you can have peace. And it's one thing to be fighting a war outside, but it's another thing to be fighting a war inside. What's going on outside should never affect what's going on inside. That's how the devil wins. In your home, in your marriage, in your business, in your your church. You cannot, and I cannot, allow the enemy to get in. We're going to have battles without, but we don't want to have battles within. In this particular situation, the context really here is, is they had peace without and undoubtedly they had peace within. And this is what we want. There are seasons when we go through where God just gives us peace. It doesn't mean that your antenna doesn't stay up. It doesn't mean that you don't stay on guard and focus and be diligent. And perceptive and all those things. We want to make sure we keep our senses high even in the midst of God giving us peace. But we should have the expectation that we're going to run into peace. There's going to be times when we just, we just enjoy just a sweet peace. Even within the midst of our church, we have to fight for that. But there's no way we're going to have peace within if we don't have first peace with God. That's where it starts. God will give us peace if we make peace with Him. And so we maintain that relationship with Him. And then God teaches us how to have peace with each other. That we learn the value of forgiving each other. Of of turning the other cheek. Of doing those things that Jesus. He clearly taught. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You read it. He taught these principles that obviously helped him and blessed him. As he went through all kinds of ups and downs in his ministry. As he was seeking to change people's lives. But yet still. He was able to have peace with people in some regard because because his relationship with the Father was always intact. When we get our relationship with the Father intact, he helps us to be able to navigate our natural relationships. But forgiveness is a big thing. We have to learn how to forgive each other. We We have to learn how to tell each other the truth. Tell each other how... You feel. And all those things that are, that are important to maintain in relationship so that we can have peace. This church had peace all around. It's clear. They had peace without. They had peace within. All the churches had peace. And this is what we need again. We need peace. It's nothing like going to church. And, Man, I know she's mad at me. I don't want, I'm going to go this direction. I know he's tripping, man. I don't, I don't want to say anything to him. You know, I'm not even going to talk to him. He still owe me $5. I mean, $5, let it go. Tell him, you wrong, you stole my $5, you haven't given it back, but you know what, I don't even want it. Just $5, praise the Lord. But you know, we do that and we hold stuff and we harbor stuff and there, there's no peace. And, and this is the type of stuff that in the church, we have to learn to practice the principles Practice the principles the principles the biblical principles this morning I got up and I, and I went to the uh, to Napa. I drove to Napa this morning and I shared I preached at, to the, to the raiders okay they 're in training camp. I went down there and I shared you you know what I talked to them about this morning. I talked to them about how to overcome the devil in temptation and I, you know i don 't I don't bring any you know we 're not bringing no kitty messages. I preach to them like I'm talking to y'all. I said, this is how the devil was tempting Jesus in the garden. I mean, in the wilderness. This is how he's going to test you. This is how you're going to beat him. So say, set, hunt, and fight the devil. I, but, but basically what I was doing was this morning, I was trying to teach the guys that I don't care where you are, you have to practice the biblical principles that are going to help you survive in the midst of a dark and gloomy world that we live in. Can I have an amen, y'all? And it doesn't matter who you are, all of us. Well, these principles right here, forgiveness. This is how we maintain our peace. God can give peace, but you maintain it by walking in forgiveness doing those things working your relationships doing those things that are necessary to maintain what God has already supplied you he says he says they had peace and then he says and were edified somebody say edified the word edified means to build up it means to str- to strengthen it means to erect it means to, you're 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 going somewhere and you're establishing something and here at the church This is something that we should constantly see in our house, that people are being edified. They're being built up. Now, one of the things that I know about God, generally before he builds you up, he breaks you down and that's okay. He'll break you down. Don't panic. I remember when I first got saved, I was, I was so happy. I, I would run around the church. And, the, and, the, and, and Pastor Davis and the brothers, they would look at me and say, okay, let's see. Praise God. He's excited. He's excited. Let him run. You know, go for it. And he would talk to me. He said, you know, you're zealous for the Lord. That's good. But you just keep your zeal, zeal when he, he starts working on you. He's going to start working on you in a while. And I was like, "What that talking about? I'm just on fire. <laughs> I, got a, I got a year or two into this thing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, God started dealing with me about stuff. About my, about my thoughts and my emotions and feelings. And he started dealing with all kinds of different aspects of my life that I didn't even know was there. I, I would read the scripture and I would see something and it would be blessed and I would be shouting about it. And then all of a sudden I'd see it and he'd say, well, that's you. Can I have an amen, y'all? I'm like, he said, that's you. And I'm like, well, that's not me. You're talking about Peter. You're not talking about me. No, no, you like Peter. You got a mouth problem. You got, got, I got to get a hold of your mouth. And and then God starts breaking you down. But won't he build you up though? Can I have an amen, y'all? Won't God build you up? God will build you up. And so being edified, the church was edified. And for us, this is what we should constantly be seeing here. This is a sign of a prosperous church. A prosperous church... We see clearly here is a church that has peace, is a church that's being edified, that God is building you up. He's strengthening you. And constantly we should be looking for God to build us up in various aspects of our life. There's no one in this room that is perfect. No one in this room that has arrived. Every single one of us are still on the potter's wheel. And as we are on the potter's wheel, we should constantly be asking God to make me and to mold me and to shape me and to make me something beautiful in your eyes, Lord. Edify me. Build me up. Now, God doesn't edify you. Now, listen to me. God does not edify us by feeding our ego. This is one of the problems in Christendom. We, we think God's going to edify us. We think edification means God feed my ego. Tell me how good I am. Tell me I'm the best preacher. Get, get a prophet to prophesy to me that I'm going to be a world changer and a history maker. Let me find somebody to just, to just rub my ego. That's not, that's not building you up. In some cases, people lying to you. And for us, we have to see that, that edification doesn't, is not, does not mean ego-stroking. It means God, who is the great creator. He knows what needs to be placed in your life. And He knows what needs to be taken out of your life to make you the best you that you could possibly be upon the face of this planet. Can I have an amen? And he alone knows how to construct you, how to form you, and to fashion you so that when he looks at you, he says, it is good. Amen. And for all of us here, we have to see that it's not about stroking ego because the thing that you may think is your strength may be the very thing that is a hindrance in your life. But God knows how to rip that out of you. Can I have an Amen. He said, my attitude is what I need to get things ac- uh, accomplished in life. Well, the God may be saying, well, your attitude is your problem. I need to fix it. So all of us, we have to learn to get on the partner's wheel and let God and yield and let God build us up. Why? Because in the midst of this, what is he doing? He's edifying us. He's strengthening us. He's he's molding us and making us the best that we could possibly be. And we're useful now for his kingdom when we allow him to work his work. So the church was being edified. And this is what should be happening all around us all the time. Who's growing? Who's maturing? Who's getting better? Who's allowing God to forge character within them? Who's becoming more like Jesus? Who's dying to their self so that they can live for Him? Who's getting stronger and stronger in their faith? Who's, lo- who's getting in their Word and being built up through the Word of God and, and through God's dealings in their life? Who's, who's getting stronger in the Scripture? This is what God is looking for. This is the sign of, of a strong and prosperous and healthy church. When people are actually growing, when we're not the frozen chosen, when we 're not you know dead when we're we're not just here being religious, And we 're not just punching our ticket that do you know what i that we actually are changing that God actually is moving in my life, that I actually am becoming more like Jesus, and people can see it this is what this is a sign we can 't just come here and say, "Well, we have service and we praise God, but are you are you becoming like him?" Are you being edified and built up? Are we getting rid of our baggage? Are we getting rid of our junk? Are we throwing our trash out of the church? Jennifer and I tell, I share this story with the church often. I, I, years ago, I used to run with this 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 pastor. Good guy, loved the guy, but I was I was getting ready to meet with him, and I had a dream. And I'm not a big dreamer, but when I do dream. And I have a dream. God will be specific and he'll talk to me, give me a message. And so this particular pastor, I was talking to him uh, in the dream. I visited his church. I'm in this dream. I'm visiting his church and and I'm walking through the church with him. And he's showing me all the stuff, you know, all all the stuff. Man, look at this, man. We just got this. We got that. And he's telling me about all this stuff. But when I'm looking at the ground, all I see is trash all over the floor. In the church. I just see trash everywhere. Just trash, trash. And I'm walking through here. And I see the trash. He sees the trash. But he doesn't think it's trash. I said, man, you got all kinds of tr-. I, I didn't say this to him. But as I'm, I'm thinking, man, look at all this trash. It's, this place is terrible. So he says, stay right here. I'm going to leave and go over here and handle some business. And I'll be right back. So when he left, I said, man, I got to help my brother out. I got to clean this up. I went and I started grabbing all of his trash. I grabbed all the trash in the church. I put it in these trash bags. This is a dream, y'all. And I took all the trash and I put it in the trash bag and I, and I went out to my car and I put his trash in the back of my car and I was going to take it and dump it for him. Me and him walked out the church. He gets in my car with me and he looks in the back seat. He says, hey, what are you doing with all my trash? That's my trash. I said, I said, bro, I just got it because it was all over the ground. It was everywhere, man. I was trying to clean it up for you, trying to get it out. He said, no, that's my trash. I want my trash. This is a dream. He said, I want my trash. And he got out, took the trash, and got out my car and went back into church. And then I woke up. Went back in. But I share that dream to share share this with you. Some people like their trash. And you could try to help them, you could try to tell them, you need to stop. That's trash. Get this garbage out your life. But, But some people like it. That's that's to them. That's keeping it real. And what we have to understand is that what we have to understand is is God's trying to build us up and edify us. And in the midst of that, sometimes he's going to try to get trash out of our life. He's going to try to he's trying to get it out of our churches. But some people have grown so accustomed to it, it's familiar to them, and they don't mind it. We have to get to a place in our life where we are sick and tired of trash and garbage and stuff in our lives that's weighing us down. Can I have an amen, y'all? But this is where edification comes in. The church should be full of people that are growing and maturing and that are willing to take their trash out. And say, come on, Lord, continue to build me up and strengthen me. And so we see that they, and this is a sign of a prosperous church when people are being edified like this. He says in, in 31, verse 31, he says, and walking in the fear of the Lord and comfort of the Holy Spirit, they will multiply. He says, and walking in the fear of who? Of the Lord. This is one of the things that I talk about this often. This is one of the major problems in Christendom is people don't have the fear of God. But this is a sign of a healthy church. When we cultivate the fear of the Lord, when we develop a healthy, reverential, awe of the Lord, and we are in a position where everything we do, our hearts just is to be pleasing to God and we live our lives before God. That, Lord, I want to make sure that I have the fear of God. I'm not worried about people finding out about nothing. I'm not worried about this person saying that. Every day, in every moment, every second, every millisecond, the Holy Ghost is watching me. And the fear of the Lord is a thing that turns people away from sin. We have to get this back in the church.